The views and opinions expressed by guests on the TWBC podcast are solely those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views of nor constitute an endorsement by the host, TWBC, or the advertisers. National Championships, Confederation Championships, World Championships, major professional events. For over three decades, he has been there for many of the sport's greatest moments. And now he brings you even closer to the movers and shakers in the world of high echelon tournament water skiing. From the founder and creator of the Water Ski Broadcasting Company comes the TWBC Podcast. And now here's your host, Tony Lightfoot. Well, greetings, salutations, and uh, hey, hello to all of you who have uh, tuned in to the TWBC Podcast. My name is Tony Lightfoot. And it's uh, great to, to have you on board. Now, uh, this time around, uh, my really, really special guest uh, who, uh, who comes to us uh, from around about the Chicagoland area uh, has, uh, has traveled all the way down to South Louisiana to do a little bit of ski training herself because uh, not only is she uh, involved in the governance of, of collegiate water skiing, but she's a little bit of a skier herself and uh, not doing too badly out there. I am, of course, referring to the newly installed chairperson of the National Collegiate Water Ski Association, Christy Kingsmill. How are you doing? Good, Tony. Thanks for having me. Not a problem, not a problem. So uh, for the last 15 or so years, the chairmanship of the NCWSA has been held by one person and you have been there right next to him uh, pretty much all the way since he inherited that position from Phil Chase uh, all of those years ago. So now the gavel has been passed to you. So how do you feel about that? And it was literally the gavel at our meeting. We, he handed it over to me. Um, been training with him for the last couple of years as the vice chairman, and luckily I'm also very good friends with him, so I talk with him a lot, and I'm not afraid to ask him questions, but I am. it is a nerve-wracking experience taking over an entire organization, but at the same time, extremely exciting, and I am so excited to see um, where our new board takes us. You mentioned training. What does that entail? Um, just sitting in on certain meetings and kind of seeing how we run stuff and um, responsibilities for different tournaments and how to kind of set up nationals, all-stars, and all of those types of things. Excellent stuff. And uh, the situation with the sport in the last couple of seasons, and I mean, I'm not talking collegiate water skiing, but uh, water skiing in general, uh, tournament water skiing, AWSA, it's been a rough couple of seasons, what with the pandemic and stuff like that. But for collegiate water skiing, it's, it gets really complicated when you have to deal with colleges and different states and all of that kind of, kind of speak to us a little bit about that and the challenges moving forward as we get on the, on the outside of this dreaded pandemic. For sure. It was definitely um, a hard past couple of years. We, as the NCBSA, really tried to continue with events and tried to have as much going on for uh, the students as possible, but there were a lot of regulations, and every state was different. So trying to navigate all of the different teams and their regulations was very difficult, so we had to make some hard decisions and decided that it wasn't a good idea for any teams to compete in collegiate tournaments for that year. Um, we even tried to move the national tournament to the spring, 
And we had many, many meetings to try and make that happen. And we wanted the experience for all of those students, especially graduating seniors who look forward to their last year of collegiate nationals. Um, But we were able to have a couple of tournaments that the students were able to go to as AWSA, which was nice so that they were still able to get on the water. Um, They just weren't able to actually compete in the collegiate scene. Okay, and and how and how does that dynamic look out? Because I mean, when whenever whenever y'all meet up for like the national meeting in the winter type deal, I mean, I mean, you it's been a while since you ski collegiate. I mean, I mean, you're a, you're a middle school teacher for crying out loud there these days, and you surround yourself by all of these people who still continue to attend college. I mean, they're probably in the sophomore year at the very very least, and maybe graduating seniors at, at most of the case. So how, how do you work with, with such a wide age demographic in, in, ter- in terms of getting things done? Um, that was actually very difficult to do throughout the pandemic as well. Um, I just came off of being the chairman of the um, Midwest, where we had a lot of different teams. And a lot of those teams, you don't see having um, an advisor at their school that kind of runs everything, like you see in some of the other regions. And usually it's the seniors that are running that team. So by the time COVID was over, it was these sophomores trying to run the team. And some of them had freshmen and sophomores that had never even been to a collegiate tournament. So getting them back into it this past fall, um, although a little bit more difficult because we kind of had to explain to everyone exactly how to get registered for a tournament and do the collegiate season, it was extremely rewarding having so many of these students going to their first collegiate events, whether it was a tournament, nationals, or our winter conference event, and they just loved every minute of it and were so excited. You could tell how excited they were to see all of their friends from all of the different teams. Because for a year, a lot of the teams, they travel and see each other even outside of collegiate tournaments. So they go to each other's campuses and visit, and they're all really close, um, but COVID really shut that down for them. So Seeing the camaraderie between all of them was great this past year. It was so exciting to see everyone back. And I mean, the importance of having yourself and, uh, and, and others who have been involved in collegiate water skiing for a long time is, has got to be highly advantageous. I mean, case in point, well, I mean, we're in Bennett's right now, and that's probably the one site that's hosted the collegiate nationals uh, the most, you know. So having, having people like Jay Bennett and such uh, to lean upon is cer- it's certainly advantageous going forward. Oh, definitely, for sure. Having, having nationals at Jay's um, every time that he hosts, it's iconic. So we've got amazing, amazing uh, memories here. So many different teams and people that um, have been here. And it's, it's, it is great because he knows, he knows exactly how this tournament runs. And he, he has it down to a science. He knows exactly what he's doing. So it's, it's a great site to host at. Okay, so uh, taking taking that into consideration, you you said that you had great memories from the last uh, from the last collegiate nationals. It's been over a year since they actually had a collegiate national, so to speak. So I mean, you're you're trying to get your feet wet again and uh, in the national tournament. But uh, what 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 were you what were your great memories of last season? Of this past fall? Yeah. Um, we being able to kind of just see everyone together was amazing, but also. Um, seeing the board coming together and bringing all of the regions together at, at nationals and all of the events and 
getting all of the kids just back together and falling in love with collegiate water skiing. And there's nothing that compares to collegiate water skiing. Every, everyone loves skiing. We all have our ski family that we are all, all around. Um, but being on that collegiate team, there's nothing like that, that ski family or camaraderie that you have being on that team, knowing that when you go and leave the dock, it's not just for you. It's for everyone on your team, and they're all right behind you, cheering you on, on the shore in crazy outfits and um, with crazy cheers, and it is just a constant, constant fun party. You know, I mean, I, I get a giggle, you know, whenever I see, like, hardcore serious skiers like Luke Outram or Edo Marenzi or, or even Dorian Llewellyn and, uh, and those, you know, really getting into the true spirit of collegiate water skiing, being part of that team atmosphere that for the, mo- for the balance of the time, they don't really get to experience that, may- except maybe skiing on their national teams. It comes close, but it doesn't come quite as close as skiing in the collegiate nationals. And then on the other side, I mean, you've got, you've got, you've got those in division two, you know, that are, that are basically just trying to, uh, to get on by, you know, get through as many buoys on the slalom course as they can. And, on two trick skis and land in their pop quite possibly their first jumping competition you know so that that dynamic is is what really makes that uh, uh, special and you're very right tony i don't know if you know i um i'm a pan am dock starter i dock start all all t- sorts of tournaments um it is one of my favorite things to do because you get to meet everyone you get to know everybody um but some of those top skiers seeing them and their different the different way that they get ready for one of those pro tournaments where, you know, they have their routine, they're not really talking to anyone, and that's totally understandable. They're trying to get in the, in their space. And then you see them at a collegiate tournament, and they, they're they still having the routine, they're getting their stuff together, but it's it's different. There's just a different atmosphere. They It seems like they're having more fun, um, but they're still performing at extremely high levels. We've been having some amazing records been broken and amazing skiing. And then, like you said, in D2 and in some of these teams, there's such a wide range. Some of them are going over the ramp for the first time in a tournament. And then you have others that are going out there and jumping crazy numbers. So um, it's great that they can all be competing against each other in the same, same events. All right, then. So going forwards a little bit, uh, I mean, there has to be some challenges uh, coming up, uh, com- coming up in front of you within about the next few months uh, type deal. We're on the we're on the tail end of the pandemic, uh, fingers crossed and uh, touched wood and all of that kind of stuff. So getting towards normalcy. So I'm sure that with every change of leadership, they're typically there typically is maybe a period or maybe like a, an opportunity for that new person coming in to implement one or two ideas or things that they had on the back burner. Do you have any, any such ideas going forward or are you, are you trying to look for a little bit of stability initially before trying to hit them with, uh, with, with the, with the Christie <laughs> Kingsmill uh, idea mill? 
Um, a little bit of both. Um, we actually had our very first meeting last night um, with all of them, everyone from the new board. So we had an, everyone from our new board. We had some H&D members also um, in attendance, and we had some good discussions about some of the events that are coming up. Um, we were supposed to have our World um, Collegiate Championships in August. Unfortunately, that was canceled. So we're still in um, trying to find a new site um, for that. And are hopeful that we're still able to make that happen. Um, but talking about how um, our All-Stars is going to go, kind of a little bit about our world situation, and then getting into the fall season. I do have some goals for uh, going into the fall. I want to try and get our um, all of our academic stuff, making that all kind of electronic as opposed to paper copies of things. And as you know, we're in a digital world, so trying to get all of that digitized and easier for um, the kids I think will be hopefully helpful for them and us as well, um, because it is a tough situation. So working on that and then just trying to um, continue to build the um, each region and trying to get more and more teams involved. You know, coming from the Midwest, we've got a lot of teams in the Midwest and some of them are only one person teams and stay around for a couple years, but we still are able to kind of continue to build. So um, if there's one thing that I am super, super hopeful for, it's that I can um, encourage teams to help build new teams at different schools. The more we have, the more, um, the more friends you can make and the more fun you can have, the more, I, I think having more, um, teams in a region helps kind of, you can have more tournaments, you can meet more people, um, lots of opens the, uh, the door for lots of opportunities. And it helps to phrase some of the traveling costs as well, because if sure. you, because if you have more teams grouped together in a region, you know, you don't have, a team from like Illinois doesn't have to travel all the way to Kansas to compete in regionals or that type of deal, you know? Exactly. In the Midwest, we have for the first um, two weekends of um, the fall season, we've got four tournaments each weekend. Yeah, we've got two in each re- uh, two in each conference, and then um, we have the uh, conference championships and then regionals um, to make it to nationals. Yeah, sounds like some uh, some frequent flyer miles may well be um, may well be invoked uh, for you on your travels, but in that response that you gave just a, mo- a moment ago, I mean, you had you had your meeting and uh, you, you you spoke a little bit about the world situation. Now, when I interviewed you a little bit before the, before this, we, I didn't want to touch upon that too much, but obviously it is what it is right now. What with the uh, with the FISU World Championships uh, being uh, uh, I wouldn't say cancelled. They're just postponed. They're looking for looking for a new venue. But so, uh, mm-hmm. with with that in mind, has have any hands gone up uh, from this side of the Atlantic to try and get that uh, going? For having the new collegiate worlds, uh-huh. um, we're working on it. They have a couple sites that they're in talks with right now, um, and IWF will give us more of an update when they when they have those kind of set in stone and um, have those um, options set forth. It is it is a large undertaking doing this tournament, so um, it is tough to find another site kind of, especially at this, at this time. Um, but no one's given up hope. We're still trying, and because it'll be good for everyone if we can have this tournament. Um, and the NCWSA is hopeful and ready to help out in any way, shape, or form that we can to help make this event happen. Does NCWSA have direct contact with FISU? Because I mean, that's that's another layer of bureaucracy going forward. I mean, 
I mean, NCWSA falls underneath uh, USA Water Ski and Wake Sports, and then and and then there's the world level uh, for collegiate skiing, which is Visu. I mean, do you have direct contact with those guys or not so much? Um, we're actually lucky. One of our um honorary national directors, one of our HNDs, um, is actually on that board as well. So he is, um, he gives us updates as much as he can. Okay. Excellent stuff going forward. So, uh, I mean, we spoke a little bit on, on world, on world level. Uh, there were, there was a question that I wanted to ask you in that written, that respect, uh, in, t- in terms of Skiers from 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 certain countries right now are being banned left, right, and center from competing. Now, on the world level, they've made it pretty clear that Belarusian and Russian skiers cannot cannot ski in tournaments as long as this situation is is in place. But that's for international level and record and record level AWSA that type of deal. What's uh, does does the NCWSA have a stance, or are they still trying to formulate that? Given that that there are one or two skiers that ski in NCWSA that hail from those countries, so we actually um, we are following it. USA Water Ski and Wake Sports actually the the um, board of director directors. Excuse me, we just had a um, discussion and vote regarding that, and the end result on there is that um, outside of LNR tournaments, it will not be. Um, those those sanctions will not be enforced. So, um, as you know, all collegiate tournaments are Class C. So that, um, according to how um, USA Water Ski and Wake Sports have um, determined that, um, they will not be any sort of um, issue with them skiing in any Class C tournament, whether that's AWSA or NCWSA. And I'm sure for those for those skiers that are currently wondering what their status is of being on campus, you know, in a country far, far away, you know, I think that's uh, that's a huge sigh of relief going forward. I would say. Yeah, it was something that we. I mean, we had to wait for um, what our parent our organization was going to kind of put forth with those rules, um, and we just got those results in the last couple of days. Excellent stuff. Okay, so NCWSA as a sporting discipline of USA water ski and wake sports. Over the last, God knows how how long, it seems to be the main driver so far as bringing membership numbers into the sport. And there was something that I saw recently that that maybe maybe something can be ironed out a little bit between AWSA and NCWSA to maybe come up with with a scheme to where graduating seniors from NCWSA have reduced membership for a while. Is, is, has that kind of thing gained much in the way of traction or is that still being discussed? Um, I haven't found much about being able to um, reduce that price for them as far as AWSA, but we are working hard and diligently with a couple different um, avenues and um, a couple different people trying to put together some things to get some resources put together. Because as we know, when someone graduates from college, everything in college, it's kind of set up for usually for that team. So they, they know where they're going to ski, they have team equipment, and they have all of that just kind of like laid out for them. So it's very easy when they, as soon as they get a we like to call it a big people job and they sometimes move away or they go back to their hometown. Um, they might not know exactly where to ski. So we're trying to get some resources in place to kind of help them with that and see what kind of ski clubs are out there 
that are willing to kind of open their doors to recent collegiate grads. As we know, it's most people don't come out of college making a lot of money and our sport is not no. Not the least expensive, you know, to do. So having a place that um, is willing and open to kind of making those types of deals and not having huge um, membership costs is really going to be vital to keep them in the sport. Okay, so uh, I mean, me moving forward, we've 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 covered quite a lot of ground in the last uh, twenty or twenty or so so minutes. So. I mean, I mean, I'm think, I mean, I'm thinking going forward. I mean, of schemes uh, as as I mentioned, type deal. I mean, uh, going going forward, uh, whenever whenever you assess your leader, whenever you assess your leadership in this sporting division, uh, do you do you kind of have ha- have an idea or a picture of what success would be? on a season-to-season basis, you know, in terms of your leadership going forward? I think we are super lucky this year. We have a great combination of leaders that have been on the board for a very long time and then some very new leadership positions as well. So having that mixture really gives us the ability to not only know kind of what works and has what worked for years, but having those fresh perspectives. You know, sometimes there's things that we've tried that Maybe we should try again because they might not have worked 10 years ago, but they might work today. Um, but having, having that good mixture is um, very exciting. And one of my goals is to try and get out to a tournament in every region. Wow. For hopefully throughout the year, throughout spring and fall, I want to try and get to um, at least one tournament just so I can see because everyone runs it just a little bit differently. Um, I was able to sit in on a, on a couple of the other regions' um, board meetings in for their for their winter meetings and it's everyone runs differently i've been a part of the midwest for so long i've also been on the ncwsa board for a while as well but i had never been to another region's um winter meeting so it was great to see kind of how their leadership styles differ and kind of where their captains kind of took the meeting in um in a different direction that Every region just does it differently. Tell us about the winter meeting in the Midwest because that's because <laughs> that is something to behold. I mean, I mean the I mean the other the other really uh, regions do their winter meetings and it's it's more like a a conference in a hotel somewhere off the interstate type deal. <laughs> a little but bit, the, but the Midwest meeting, whole different kettle of fish. It is. So we um, do what's called Winter Conference, and a couple of the others have started to, like the West goes to Vegas every year, and they have their meetings and um, their time for their teams to bond. Um, And South Central is working on building up their Winter Conference where they have breakout rooms as well. Um, And the SAC also, they did more of a, a classroom meeting, and then they had events planned at night also. But in the Midwest, Winter Conference is the event to go to off the water. Um, This year it was held in Michigan and every year it kind of goes to a different school so they can kind of show off their school and their campus and everything. Um, They did a great job putting it on this year, especially after not having gone to one last year. Most of the people on their team hadn't even been to a winter conference before as they were were planning it and they did amazing. Um, We have breakout sessions throughout the day. 
mm-hmm. where we bring in pro skiers to come do like classroom style um, with all three events and then at three different levels. So we've got slalom, beginner, intermediate, and advanced, and then the same for trick and same for jump. And then we have some sessions that are off the water as well. So like team building or um, a captain's round table or fundraising, which are great for all of the captains also. And then at night we have a huge banquet. So it's not as big as the nationals banquet. If you've been to the nationals banquet, but um, usually between like two to 300 people. Um, And then we do our ski Ammies. So we give everyone their awards for the year um, we announce our all-star team, which the Midwest Midwest all-stars team is huge and it is a v- huge privilege to be a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. and so we announced that there as well. And then, um, we kind of highlight our teams and this year we actually did our inaugural class of the hall of fame. So Jeff Sarday and Chris Kodiak were the first two members to be inducted into the Midwest hall of fame this year. Very well deserved. Yes. Two amazing individuals that um, were both the chair of the Midwest, chairs of the Midwest before I was. So um, they were the they were the ones that got me involved and got me where I am today. Absolutely, and I mean, uh, I mean, I'm glad that you mentioned the Hall of Fame because that's the next subject that I wanted to touch upon. So far as the NCWSA Hall of Fame is concerned, now, now. Conveniently, you mentioned Jeff Surday being uh, uh, being inaugura- inaugurated mm-hmm. into the Midwest and, and Collegiate Water Ski Association Hall of Fame. Does he have a chance of being inaugurated in uh, being nominated and put into the National Hall of Fame? Are you are, are you the uh, the main person behind that drive? Yes. So he actually was um, nominated, and at this winter meeting this past year, he um, he was brought into the Hall of Fame. So this. At this Nationals, um, which is going to be at San Marcos River Ranch, um, is will be where Jeff Sarday will be um, inducted into the National Hall of Fame. Excellent stuff. Who will he join? Do you do you have any ideas who will be in his in his class? Um, this year, I believe, I think he might be the only one that will be inducted for this year. We had a lot uh, last year after everything with. Um, the year being off, so we had kind of two years together um, being inducted. So um, this one won't be as as many people getting inducted for the year. Yes, and he'll join a long line of uh, chairman and chairman emeritus uh, to uh, to be in the Hall of Fame. Exactly. You know? And you know, it, no given given that rate, you you could well be uh, uh, nomin- nominated yourself. We'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. I guess I don't know, but, but a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation has fallen upon your shoulders. A lot, but I'm I'm super excited for the challenge. I I mean one day I mean I would that would be a dream to one day be a part of the Hall of Fame, but. Um, hopefully I will be a part for a, of this organization for a long time before that happens. Um, I mean, Jeff was the chair for 15 years, so I got some time. <laughs> I got some time still. All right, then. So uh, not a lot of people know that uh, you, I mean, you worked side by side with, uh, with Jeff for many years, not only uh, in skiing, but also on a professional level. You know, uh, I think you actually worked in like a boutique for a, for a while, but now you've transitioned from that to become a middle school Spanish teacher. Yes, I am a middle school Spanish teacher. I teach um, Spanish and world cultures, and I actually teach a little bit of French and German and sign language as well. Wow, okay, you, 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 just, got it. you just got it all. 
Absolutely. I try. It's fun. I love languages, so. Well, good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ha gonna have to snag you for, uh, for maybe one or two tournaments that may, may require a little bit of Spanish interpretation. I don't. Know I would that. love that. I would love to do that. Yes, indeed. I'm trying to learn a little bit of German myself. I don't know how useful that will be, but I've just, I started, so I've got to, I've got to take it to its natural conclusion, I guess. But. Uh, it's been great speaking with you, uh, Christy. I mean, our uh, paths have crossed on uh, many occasions, and, our, uh, and, and I mean, we've been involved in the collegiate world scheme for, for many, many years. Uh, one thing that's just come, come to mind, and, th and this has always been a little bit of a controversial subject, is, is, the, is the parity, or maybe not quite as much, between some of the teams that have scholarship skiers and some of the teams that... I mean, having the scholarships gear is like the could be the furthest in the back of their mind. I mean, I mean, this this debate has gone on for donkeys years. You know, whether whether schools like Alabama or Louisiana Monroe, Louisiana Lafayette have an unfair advantage going forward. Uh, do you want to speak to that a little bit, or I think. I mean, I think that's one of the great parts about our sport is that we have such a broad range. I mean, I have I have spoken with skiers before that. Um, they're standing on the dock with pro skiers that are skiing in the collegiate level. They're at one of those scholarship schools, but they are, they know they're never, these other skiers, they know they're never going to beat that person. But just the fact that they're standing next to them on the dock, they're skiing right, right beside them, knowing that they're competing in that same event that they, at any other kind of tournament, they would never have that opportunity. So I think that that having those wide range is such is so important for our sport and i think it is um helpful i don't think the difference between having scholarship and non-scholarship is ever going to go away like you said it's something that um it's part of our sport and it but some of the kind of top schools have been changing throughout the last couple of years so it's not always um the same schools all the time i mean you have I, we you do have those uh, a couple that have will always be on top, but there um, there are some that are sneaking in there, even um, even not being fully funded. So it's great to see. <laughs> and another another subject that gets brought up from time to time, especially from from the folks that that dwell upon the ball of spray or message board, is uh, it's where it's whether the sport has even the remotest chance of being in the NCAA. I mean, it, I mean, it's, I mean, for those, those who are deeply ingrained in the sport, it's probably a ridiculous notion, but, uh, but for those that, that are, that are interested in, in how the association, the collegiate, Nat National Collegiate Water Ski Association, how it, how, how close, how close is it to meeting some of the standards that the NCAA would have in place if it were to get in, get anywhere close to being affiliated with that national organization? Um, to be quite honest, Tony, I, I don't think that I would be able to speak to that as much as somebody else might be able to. Um, it's not something I have done a ton of research on because it kind of sometimes seems like a pipe dream for that to, mm -hmm. you know, kind of happen. Um, but I know there's others that have kind of looked into that. And um, once I maybe get settled and sorted in this position, I definitely wouldn't be opposed to looking into that and kind of um, seeing if that would be a realm that we could could go into but um, at the current point in time I think with what we are doing I think is is great and I um, if 
if that was a possibility one day, awesome. Um, but it's not, not on my short-term list of goals of things that I'm kind of looking into. All right, then. We're going to put a button on this uh, podcast. I certainly thank you for, uh, for participating in it. Thanks for uh, having me. And before you go, I typically ask of all of my guests if they have, if they have to take the opportunity to thank certain people, family, friends, whomever, you know. So I will uh, give you that microphone uh, in order for you to do that. Well, I definitely want to thank my entire ski family. They are the ones that kind of keep me involved and keep me going. And um, Jeff Sarday, definitely, he has been my mentor since I got into this, since I have started skiing. And um, I never stop calling him with questions about anything related to anything skiing. Um, and then my new vice chair, Emily Dammeyer, I'm so excited to be working with her. Um, her and I have worked together on multiple projects and I'm so excited that her and I can tackle this together to women taking over the NCWSA. Absolutely. And, uh, that was uh, Christy Kingsmill uh, with a little bit of intervention from the ice machine that just seems to have kicked off in, in the background. Uh, I'm Tony Lightfoot. This has been your uh, latest edition of the TWBC podcast. And until next time, it is ciao for now. Thank you for listening to the TWBC podcast. Be sure to check out our website at waterskibroadcasting.com. Links to our presence on major social media platforms can be found there, as well as updates to our webcast and this podcast. Duplication or rebroadcasting of this broadcast without written consent of TWBC is prohibited. Subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to join us next time for the next edition of the TWBC podcast.